Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with our guest, Jess Sloss. He's the founder of Seed Club, which is a DAO that invests in tokenized communities. It's a social token incubator of sorts. I'm really excited to talk to him more about that. So welcome, Jess. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Cool. So before we dive into Seed Club, which I definitely want to do, um, I want to know a little bit more about your background. So I take me back all the way back to when you first got interested in crypto. You know, what was it about crypto that piqued your interest? And then how did you start learning about it? Yeah, way back when. Um, I mean, I think even further back, I got really interested in, in social media as this way to like democratize access to distribution and audiences. And then pretty quickly was disillusioned by the idea of like one or two companies owning like the networks that are going to coordinate our digital world. Uh, and so when a friend texted me, you know, 2017 springtime, have you heard about tokens? It, I just fell down the rabbit hole pretty quickly saw them sort of as the opportunity to uh, to earn and own and and be a part of or have a say in these sort of essential economic tools in the digital world. So started working in whatever way I possibly could in, in the crypto space, helped an early security token issuance that's still operating out of Switzerland right now, worked on an Oracle project, um, a real estate project, and then found myself falling down the social crypto rabbit hole uh, about a year ago. Got it. Got it. And so if you had to explain social tokens to a newbie in the space, somebody that, you know, doesn't know what social tokens are, how would you explain social tokens to them in a way that's, you know, easy to understand and helps them get more excited to learn more? Yeah, I mean, I think social tokens are a really big category, but generally it's a token that represents social capital, reputation, brand. We're in the DeFi space, maybe we're looking at governance or, or owning an asset that that is core to the, the operation of a network. Social tokens, I think, are, are more more broad. I think the idea of turning social capital into a digital asset is like maybe the best way of, of framing it. Uh, once you do that, like I think if you think about the amount of value that individuals and creators or communities create on the internet that don't get captured by individuals, it's our hope and our belief that social tokens will change that and allow the people who, who create to see some of that value accrue to tokens that we can then use to reward and incentivize and align ownership in communities all the way through to DAOs and, and maybe artistic projects. Yeah. And so when we talk about social tokens, there's really like multiple types of social tokens, right? So like what comes to mind initially is like personal tokens. Like um, it, first thing comes to mind is the Alex token, the Al Alex Mazmaz token. And then you've got like community tokens as well. Maybe I'm missing other types of social tokens as well. But can you talk about like the different types of social tokens and how they're all different? Like sort of what is the purpose of each one? Yeah, I like to sort of break social tokens down into three categories, though I think there could be more into personal tokens, 
brand tokens and community tokens. I think personal tokens, early examples would be, you know, the Pew token or the Boy token or Alex token. They represent either maybe an investment in an individual. So like the bet that Alex is going to go do cool, more cool things in the future or some access to service. Uh, like, you know, Ruben Bremenathan did a council token that gave, gave people access to an hour of their time. We haven't really seen a huge takeoff in those for a number of reasons, I think. One is regulatory issues are maybe a little bit cha- more challenging there. Uh, and, and two, like the the sort of speculative use case that I think drives a lot of interest it, it maybe isn't quite there uh, as well. Brand tokens, I think, are a big un discovered or unexplored world of, of social tokens sort of see these as like loyalty points but you know on steroids where you can like plug these loyalty points into you know they maybe a they represent some sort of ownership um you could see these being like fan clubs of major brands but that they can plug into the wider wider DeFi world or any of these other tools that are being built in the, the broader open web and then community tokens i think represent um the value that a community creates online we break those down. So that's really where C Club is, is most interested in, in playing. And, and we break those down into creator-centric communities. So that might be an influencer, an artist, a band. RAC is a great example of this, where if you want, are a fan of RAC and you want to be a part of his Discord and part of his his you know music career moving forward, you can hold the RAC token and get access there. And his fans are co-creating together. And then I think there's a broader world of just communities or tokenized communities, where it's many, of, many people coming together, many to many, creating value that's bigger than maybe any one individual. And so I think you're going to see a a pretty broad sort of number of projects that go and play in that space from projects like FWB um, and Whale to SquiggleDAO to, uh, you know, including C-Club and, you know, the 11 to 15 other projects that we're working on right now. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I want to break that down a little bit and dive deeper into each of those three categories. So starting with, you know, personal tokens, when, yeah, we're talking about personal tokens, you know, like Alex is a good example, but I I actually think that like Alex isn't the only example of how an individual can use a a personal token to do something. Um, So can you give some more examples with personal tokens of like some personal tokens that exist, like what purpose were they created for? And then also talk more broadly about, you know, I really want to dive into each of these categories and talk about like, when is it right for someone like an individual or a brand or a community to create a social token? And when is that not the right way? I saw those Twitter Twitter questions coming up for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think personal tokens are really unexplored. The the ones that we've seen so far, as I, as I said, are kind of one unlocking some sort of service time, you know, that's kind of market priced, which I think is an interesting experiment, but not definitely has the most longevity. Uh, what Alex did was sort of, you know, sell tokens to raise capital so he could go do cool things. So you're kind of like betting on the future of somebody. And I think that's probably closer to where a lot of personal tokens uh, will live, where, you know, we'll probably see platforms and, and ones playing in the space already are like BitClout and Rally, where, um, you know, you're able to go launch a token and there's a marketplace that essentially acts like a stock market on, you know, the, the almost like a speculation on your future value as a creator or as a human being. Uh, that can sound kind of, kind of weird when I say it like that. And I think there is some weirdness that could be had there, but the best lens I think to look at this through is like, you know, you probably discovered some creators on YouTube really early. I know I have, and I would have loved to be able to put some sort of backing to them, whether that was, you know, betting on them, staking tokens on them, buying tokens from them. My, my guess is that we're going to see NFTs play a much larger role here where people will be sort of, you know, if I, let's look at like an, an artist like X copy, you know, buying X copy art six months ago, eight months ago was a 
big bet on the future of that person's career and would have paid off quite handsomely if they had, you know, purchased it back then. So I expect that to be, you know, uh, there to be platforms that allow that to be done much easier. I also think there's something really interesting around tokens being like this, uh, an example of a value layer. So if in web two, we have the social graph as being the core, like one of the most valuable things, like the relations between people, I think tokens provide that in a new way where we're able to sort of either speculate or bet on or put um, our money behind a, a belief that we have either in a community or an individual. And then that relations that that's captured on chain between both that initial action of like showing my affinity and belief in something, but also how that relates to all the other believers and, and community members becomes kind of interesting. So I can imagine um, individuals wanting to start building out value or ownership curves or connections um, around them. And, and that, that might be one of the, the, the first places that, you know, broad adoption of social tokens happen to to catch wind where it's less about the speculation. So I think there will be speculation, but I think in this case, it's less about speculation, more about the relationships. Gotcha. And so I'm wondering too, like so, something else I think about is like, you can imagine a situation where, uh, you know, you've got like a, a high school senior who is creating a social, a personal token in order to fund their college education, for instance. And so, you know, in this world, it, it would be like applying to scholarships, whatever, maybe they'll like post, you know, like an article online and like circulate it on their LinkedIn or whatever and see if they can like get some funds from, I don't know, like friend, rich friends and family or something. In the future, in, you know, this social token world where they're trying to get people to buy into their personal token, what do you think this is going to do in terms of just like ego or like mental health of people of like, whereas now it's like you're trying to get like you know, as many likes as you can on a post in the future. It's like you're trying to get people to buy your token, which like much higher stakes involved there. Is that just going to like drive people even more mad with like trying to, you know, get people to like follow them or get people to sign on to uh, what they have? Sure. I mean, yeah, I think it's important not to like to like, any new technology is going to come with a bunch of superpowers and a bunch of massive downsides. And like, I think it'd be crazy to think if anything in crypto doesn't come with a similar sort of trade off. So, yeah, I could I could definitely see there being like some of the, the big obvious negatives are exactly what you're talking about there. Like really the idea of your personality or your person or even your art being traded on a stock market probably shouldn't be that appealing. Like it's quite an emotional roller coaster. Just imagine somebody buying your token. Um, and then, you know, for whatever reason, you're unable to create art for a little while and the token price drops. And then those people are up in your DMS every day being like, I bet my last thousand dollars on you. You need to make this moon and nobody feels good about that. So I think that's why we're so interested in community tokens. I think it, it sort of, uh, abstracts away that sort of direct connection to an individual there's still core people that are that are involved in all these communities but it's almost like you know building a product and having your product or your company trade on a stock market is far better than yourself or your self-worth yeah do i think that there'll be you know we do know of a high school kid right now who's waiting to turn 18 to go launch a, a social token less about like funding their future career and more about experimentation but i think funding is probably going to be a, a core part of it um, I think it's really going to be up to the, the platforms that like, I think more likely the platforms are going to be sort of defining the, the ways that, that people interact here and regulations will also have a big impact. Like the idea of funding my college education through giving you a share of my revenue moving forward is, you know, re requires some legal agreements that, you know, it's an understood sort of the ISA type model that, um, 
is probably going to be supported by by a tool. And so how they put the like the bumpers up to to manage that is going to matter quite a bit. But it'll be interesting to see where people go with those experiments. And uh, yeah, I mean the, the world's just getting faster and more weird. It's it's a networked world, and so I think you know being able to keep up with it and how to be a human being in it is going to be an increasing challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, that's personal tokens, and then there's brand tokens. So talking about brand tokens again, you know, like what are some examples you can give of the different types of brand tokens that a company could you know create, and then when is it you know like the right time and not the right time for a company to create a brand token? So I don't think we've seen a lot of great um, brand tokens yet. I mean, uh, in my sort of definition of a brand token, I would I would see it as like a brand, an existing brand, um, maybe launching a token that represents that brand affinity in some way. So imagine a Supreme token, which they probably should never do, but like maybe a Nike or, um, you know, you name it. The, the idea would be that these tokens can be used to incentivize work or, or positive actions that support the brand. So, you know, everything from like, do you want to have your, you know, local street teams across the world, or do you want to have, you know, meetups that are happening, you know, maybe it's more valuable to some of these folks to be given um, tokens that represent access to, or, or maybe a reputation within a, within a brand community or access to merch, or, you know, if I'm, if I'm a Nike brand ambassador, maybe I get early access to any of the, the shoe drops that I guess are hot. I'm not a sneakerhead, but people seem to be crazy for those sort of things. So I think it, it adds sort of like a way of like right now in, in the web too, like we're able to like see who our biggest fans are purely by the, the, the sort of purchasing power, I guess. So like in our database, who was bought the most, but I think tokens can allow us to have many more touch points that show to build up this ownership graph that can help brands start to see who are actually have strong affinities, what other related groups have affinities. Uh, and then also use those tokens to sort of, uh, you know, incentivize and reward and, and align and, you know, give people a say. I think that's like one of the things that we're most excited about is you know, imagine so many of the, like brands today are mostly you know managed by a small number of people, very top down. Even though even within those companies, so much of the talent lives in like the probably bottom fifty percent of like their the salary base, and folks are you know much closer to to you know the real world. They're probably younger, and having a say in where these brands go and how they grow, I think is probably the most bullish thing for for DAOs in in my opinion. And I think brand tokens will sort of be like fan club DAOs or affinity DAOs that are associated with brands uh, where brands are able to bring in like, you know, give all sorts of perks, but that drives sort of mutual value. Um, so I think like, you know, the whale shark community has, has come up with something similar to this. It's they call it the E1337, though not super familiar with what they've done there. I think you can somewhat see what like Metafactory is doing as, as an example of this, or maybe even Bankless DAO, but very quickly, those are, are turning into much more full-fledged organizations that started as, you know, community driven. And I probably put both those into the community token space. So I think this will be like a, a place where, again, a, a platform or tool set's going to emerge that allows people, that allows leaders in Fortune 1000 companies to go, oh, this is a superpower we can can bring into our brand. And that's where the experiments are going to start. So where would you put, um, say you have like an Instagram influencer who wants to create a token, would you put that under personal token or brand token? Or what, is that actually more of like a community thing? Yeah, I think it really depends on, on what the intention is. I think, you know, you can make tokens do pretty much whatever you want. And it, so much of the story that you tell is, is what gets in, in sort of embedded in its value or, or future. So I think there's you know, one thing we're seeing with a lot of influencers or creators is many of them have audiences and, and not communities. And so that's like 
not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just sort of a thing. And so there are creators out there that have strong communities. And I would very clearly put a token they launched in a community token bucket. And they would probably go and structure a project that puts mostly ownership in their hand of their communities and almost act as if they're working for the community. And so maybe earning tokens uh, alongside anybody else who's in that community earning tokens. Um, on the flip side, I think you could have, you know, much more of a personal token um, that again, looks almost like a creator loyalty point where you're uh, getting access to merch. They only, you can get maybe access to one-on-ones. Um, in fact, I think like the, the power of loyalty points generally in the business world is, is found by organizations who have uh, the ability to deliver really, uh, you know, value added experiences with not much marginal cost. So like a, a, an airline mile, like if those seats in first and business class aren't sold out, it costs them no money to upgrade somebody to it. But people who would are, you know, that, that upgrade is in high demand. I think something similar act now exists in like the creator world where for true fans, being able to access you in a, in a one-on-one way is something that there's a few people who would really, really value that. And so you can really drive, um, you know, fundamental value, I think, in one in these tokens through providing your true fans with the, the things that they really want and can't really buy anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. And then let's move on and talk about community tokens. So with community tokens, what are some of the best examples you can think of out there, you know, that represent the different ways that you could structure a community token? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge open world. Um, and I think there's like a, most of the projects that we're seeing in the social token space right now, I would put in the community token bucket. So Forefront Global coin research. These are good examples of, of like media communities that have tokens at the core. Um, you know, friends with benefits is a great example of like a social club that's in a, a discord. Also real, you know, I think if you're going to be in ETH CC next uh, at the end of this month, they'll probably do a, an IRL event. I was in one in, in Miami and it was amazing just to see people. You know, I had to hold a number of tokens to be able to get on the RSVP list. And there was probably 500 people outside in line trying to get in, uh, not to mention a whole bunch of the other events they host. You know, C Club, we want to be an example of one of these community tokens where there's a sense of membership, but also you're maybe helping us identify great projects to 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 help out and to um, maybe curate a list of the projects we work with because we think it'll be millions of these tokens, but only a few of them will be, you know, really valuable or useful or, or aligned with our ethos. Um, you know, I think there's Squiggle DAO and Fingerprints DAO and Flamingo DAO, great examples of communities that are out there collecting NFTs. Um, and I think you're going to see, you know, many music communities. I said like RAC before, um, and, but and the Connie Digital who has an early social token. Um, all these are, I think examples of different types of communities and and there's so much you know in in the structure of them as far as how you distribute tokens uh how you how the community tries to create value together what ownership represents uh, there's just so many different ways you can start to structure them and i think the reality is we're still really really early on and we don't know what the ultimate winning examples will be and there probably will be many uh, but you know usually at the core they have some sort of hold a certain number of tokens to access some unique experience uh, whether that's just governance and having a say in, in what the community does or what they spend their treasury on, or uh, maybe it is just to be able to be a part of the community in the first place. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's dive into Seed Club. Um, so take me back to the genesis of Seed Club. How did you get the idea for it? Why did you decide to start this this DAO that you know funds tokenized communities? Um, take me Take me back and walk me through the journey. It was the summer of 2020. The pandemic was maybe letting up a little bit, but still in full swing. Uh, I was sitting on a beach and my friend Brian Flynn sent me a link to a token that he had launched. And the 
the price action on Uniswap was just wild. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, also, Andrew Lee had just launched KarmaDAO and very quickly all the tokens and access points for, for membership in KarmaDAO had sold out and, or at least the price had gone up significantly. And so that was enough to make me go like, what is, what is going on here? And pretty quickly started, sort of saw that there was these three primitives that were coming together that allowed people to have a stake or have ownership or a sense of ownership in a community. And I thought that was absolutely groundbreaking. So, you know, AMMs like Uniswap would allow any token to have like, you know, small thinly traded token to have liquidity in a marketplace you know, easy ability to mint tokens so roll at the time was the, sort of like the leading minter there um, and then collab land giving token gated access to a discord those three things came together and and i think formed an early template of what ultimately so many of these tokenized communities have, have been uh, built on i'd spent a bunch of time in the dial space in 2019 and, and happened to know so many of the people that had, had just launched these tokens and uh, all the conversations I was having with them were very similar, and so we decided to bring people together in a Telegram group. Uh, I think any like like the genesis of any great crypto project it should start off with the Telegram group, um, and very quickly we you know brought in a, probably like eleven founding group members, and it was just a place for us to talk and figure out things. But pretty quickly we realized there was something here, and the idea to push forward with a we called it a social token incubator at the time, uh, was born. And so over the last, I guess the next few months, we ran our first cohort where we brought together um, folks like Connie Digital and RAC and Alex and some of the Gitcoin team and um, you know Carlos from Forefront and a few others to just really explore, like, how do we do this well? Can we be helpful? What are the templates? Um, and I think through that experience, we realized there's a pretty big opportunity to be helpful to teams that were trying to you know, experiment in the space and uh, that it was a weird enough thing to go do that doing it in a peer uh, or in a group of your peers was actually very valuable. Um, and that the people we had in our group actually had a whole ton of useful information and access and can, you know, and insight that would be super useful. We launched our first hackathon and saw projects like catalog come out of that. Um, so it was just, you know, I feel like it was just a thing that was really pulled out of this early group. Since we've done another accelerator group, we formalized ourselves as a DAO and uh, now 62 member owners gearing up to do our third accelerator. We run uh, accelerator programs. So same thing like we did at the very beginning where we bring 10 to 15 really smart individuals or community leaders together with our collaborator group to help them define, design, and launch uh, a token, whether that's NFTs or social tokens. And we also run a studio program where we work with select communities to help them, you know, work with them to launch tokens maybe in a, in a more hands-on way. Okay. So it's a cohort-based program and it's an accelerator. And so when people people apply to this accelerator program, they join, and then what happens? Like, what's your level of, of involvement with the projects that you bring into Seed Club? Is it, it sounds like it's definitely more than just like, here's a bunch of money. It's more like hands-on than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so actually we, we don't um, make investments in the traditional sense into any of these projects. Um, I think that what we're finding is that capital is not the limiting factor here. It's uh, the, the biggest thing is how do you go do it right from the start or, or as right as possible from the start. Um, so it's fairly binary, like very easy to launch a token, very easy to to make that token's price go up if that's what your your core goal was. But the projects we want to work with have a much longer time horizon and are really trying to set up set themselves up um, for success over the long term. So what we bring is our network and a lot of hands-on experience. So we work over a, a six-week program. We're digitally in person together in a room, in a digital room um, for you know twice a week for 90 minutes. But there's a whole asynchronous piece that lives in our Discord. And uh, we just bring both like some of the leading thinkers 
um, folks who've done this before, folks who are thinking in the on the edges um, to to speak with and and collaborate with our our cohort members, and then we also bring our collaborator group together along with some support from our core team to help you know finalize details around how to how to define how to message how to to sort of step into these things. You know, I think so much of it is this idea of like C Club wants to be the early diamond hand holders of of these projects. So there is a token contribution that these uh, founders make to C Club, um, and founders also get a, an ownership stake in C Club. So we're kind of building this, you know, flywheel of a curated list of great people trying to launch really great projects, doing it with the other people who have some, maybe some of the most insights to to help folks do it at the highest level, and then just trying to make sure that we can repeat that time and time again to to grow C Club into like. I think like in, in the future, hopefully it's the place, you know, people want to go to, to, you know, launch the, the weirdest, wildest, most exciting social token projects and that our community has grown and, and curated itself well enough that we can be a really a strong mark of credibility to folks who are trying to do it right and, and well, because I think the, the risk here is that tokens and speculation can get weird pretty quickly and, and it's going to be kind of wild out there for the next while. Social capital is like almost more valuable than capital capital nowadays. Um, and then something you just said is doing it right. Like you help these projects do it right from the beginning. So what does doing it right look like for a new social token project? There's a lot of like unexpected ways that things can go wrong. And I think what we're seeing, so most of the people we work with right now are folks who have spent a long time building up their social capital, as you said before, right? Like they've built up brands over years, they built up communities over years, and they recognize that launching a token is, especially a, like a, a fungible token, is a much bigger deal than launching an NFT. It's a commitment. You know, people are probably going to be buying in. Like if, if I buy FWB tokens to access that community, my bet is, you know, I'm putting real money on the line to be a part of this thing. And so I, there's a responsibility that I'm entrusting into that team to, to continue building and, and growing this thing. The, the best creators and community leaders really intuit that a lot. And so they're being very thoughtful about how they step out into the space. And that's why our first goal is always to sort of understand where a creator, let's just use that word for, for the, the broad basket of people we work with, but a creator, uh, what, what do they want to achieve? And I think as we've seen, there's many things you can try to achieve. And so getting that right and then matching them with tools and tech is, is I think, the right way to go. Uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about early distribution. You'd imagine if you have a million fans out there, which is you know not a large creator, it's not a small one, but it's not a, a massive one either. And all of a sudden you say, here's my token. Um, and you have maybe thin liquidity on Uniswap or... You know, the rest of the crypto world goes, well, this is just something I want to bet on. The token price could go wild really quickly. And and the, the people with the wrong intentions, like maybe just looking for price action, are going to join the community. And if the product is a community and all of a sudden you just have, you know, I think the when moon boys is how we call it uh, in the community, then maybe it's not actually the product itself wouldn't be super good. And so you can see like FWB doing this with how they're being very thoughtful and have a committee and interview process to invite people in. You know, C Club currently is a curated uh, membership group. So it's not a widely accepted or you know, not anybody can just join. And we're being very thoughtful about how we sort of step out our membership. Um, and so there's like a lot of in between where you would still want to be able to get a, a wider ownership base of, of your tokens because there's a lot of value in doing that, but also trying to, to maintain you know, everything from the, the right level of governance structure. So, you know, how you distribute tokens has an impact on that um, all the way through to making sure that the core product is, is valuable. So I would say it's like 
matching tools and intentions, step one, figuring out how to distribute step two. Um, and then there's like all the nuances of how you actually launch it and, and engage with your community. And at what level should you, or do you want to um, provide, you know, agency in the community? So the community voting, community proposals, um, or is this something that's more like driven by a creator and, and you're going to be in, in much more of control of that. So the, the challenge I think and, and we ha I haven't even added in like the legal questions and how do you, how you actually navigate that quite a bit, which is super important. So I think like there's a lot, lot of context that needs to be built and you'll make a decision and then very quickly realize that that one decision flipped a whole lot of other levers that you thought were flipped the other way before. And you kind of have to reimagine a little bit. And so I think that's the biggest value of working, you know, in the way that we work is that we just get to go and muddle through it together, which is, I think, the only way to do it right now. There might be a world where we have templates in the future, but I still think we're very much in the case study phase where we can sort of borrow from what other people are doing, but we have to make it really um, contextual and customized to the creator or community. Um, and I think that's key to doing it right. Yeah. How hard or easy is it logistically to launch your own social token nowadays? Extremely easy. Coinvise.com, two buttons, you have a token, but obviously that's not how you create a valuable social token. So that's what I always say. It's really easy to launch a token, very hard to create a valuable social token and completely uncertain how we create a long-term valuable social token. Just haven't been around long enough to know what that is. And so it's all super experimental, very much at the beginning of the idea phase, uh, but you can go join, yeah, go to Coinvise, go to Roll, you can go to Rally. Uh, if you're a developer, you can use the Open Zeppelin and factory contract to mint your own tokens. There are probably a dozen others that I haven't even mentioned here that you could go to use, but you know, so much of this still lives in the social world where you need to build trust and authority and connection and community and utility. And that's really where the difficulty lies and, and also the excitement and opportunity lies. Yeah. What are some of your favorite token projects that Seed Club is investing in? I mean, I love all of our projects. No, I know, I know, I, I know. It's like asking you to pick your favorite child. All right, let's rephrase and say, what, what are some projects Seed Club is investing in that you are most excited about? I feel like that's the exact same question, but I'll answer it. <laughs> Listen, I think there's there's a couple projects. So part of what we, you know, we have, a, as I said earlier, a very long-term mindset. And so there are a lot of projects we're working with right now that, are building and making stuff, but don't have tokens and probably won't have tokens for a little while because it just doesn't make sense for them to go out with a token right away. Uh, so maybe I'll, to, to refocus the question a little bit, there's a couple of projects that are just about to come out that I think are really interesting to watch. One is the Jump token um, from the Jump community. So Jeff is a former ad agency guy, worked with Fortune 1000 brands. Um, and his insight was that in early social media, uh, brands really came into Facebook and Twitter and were really excited about making content and building their own fan bases and then really quickly realized that the platforms were going to start taking away that organic reach. And ultimately, the game became just buy ads on, on platforms and, and most agencies are ad buying teams now. Um, and so he thought, well, Web3 is going to be a little bit different and there could be this potential huge set of budgets, you know, billions of dollars worth of budgets that might want to come in and be creative and build unique experiences for their fans and members. And his job at Jump is to help those folks who run those budgets and who run those agencies to navigate Web3. So Jump is a community of brand marketers. Uh, he's got, I think, 95 of the top 
you know, 500 companies in the world that are represented there and, and it's still growing. It's invite only. Um, he was very thoughtful about how he brought people on, but I think you'll start to see um, him expanding that a lot more and, and the value that's being created in that discord is pretty phenomenal. Also really excited about like, as we're, we're talking right now, um, song camp, which I think is kind of like a, a way of reimagining what the music or record label might be in, in, in a web three world. Uh, song camp's launching their second camp, uh, which we're calling project Electra. Uh, we just bought the Unlock NFT, the, the portal into this new world of art and co-creativity. Uh, they're making a lot of use of the Mirror.xyz platform to make media together. Essentially, it's three or four teams coming together of three or four people that are producing and, and writing and, and then ultimately minting music as NFTs and then auctioning that off. All the splits are super transparent. There's also a group of strategists that are out there helping to promote and expand and um, design things for these communities. And you can sort of see it as like a community experience where you can get your hands dirty and create something and also earn and profit and have a stake in something that's being built. So I love that idea of like taking the role of what a web two organization looks like, but not trying to rebuild it in its, you know, in the same way, like just doesn't make sense for me that a record label would be the model that we use to build a web three version of a record label. So I'm super stoked on that. You know, Andrew who's building out Afro future has got a really interesting project where they have, this deep sort of archival footage and, and media from the the uh, sort of post-colonial Africa world, you know, got the Kennedys riding a, a rhinoceros. He's got some like of the, like the biggest despots and news, um, you know, events that are happening that are captured on film, and so they're auctioning those off, and the the money is going towards building archival talent within within Africa. And he's just a hustler and in, in, in the best sense of the word, trying to figure out new ways to provide value for his community. And I'm just super stoked on, on what Carlos and the Forefront team are doing. They're building something out in the open that anybody can really get involved in, learning as they go. Um, and you know, projects like like Forefront and GCR are just, I think, great examples of, of people building and, and giving people opportunities to participate in these things, which I think is the, the key unlock. And literally, we could go on for a whole hour talking about the amazing projects that we're working on backing or we have planned or, or are happening. And so really, it's like the honor of a lifetime to be able just to work with so many creative, thoughtful human beings that are just playing with these new building blocks and we get to be supportive of it. It's just, it's amazing. Super cool. Super cool. All right. So something else I want to talk to you about is DAOs. Seed Club is a DAO. So I guess starting with, you know, like, why did you decide to build Seed Club out as a DAO as opposed to, you know, like a traditional, like a Y Combinator or something? The core reason I'm stoked about Web3 is ownership, right? That if you as an individual are creating value for a community, you should have ownership or at least have an opportunity to have ownership in that community. So how we are very different from traditional accelerators or or incubators, the Y Combinators, is that our community has an opportunity to earn ownership in our community. And so, um, you know, we are not an investment firm. We are not a VC firm. We do not return, you know, our, our token or our members do not get access to profits. There's no, you know, they don't get to, they don't get a percentage of the tokens. There's no distribution of tokens. What they get is sort of governance of and, and membership in this broader thing. And so I think that's the, the absolute essential piece there. Also, we're building something for the internet and the internet is international and we have members from China through to the Philippines, through the UK, Europe, across the United States, I'm in Canada. And so a DAO is just, I think, the structure for an organization on the internet. And we wanted to, you know, be leaders in, in defining what that looks like. Got it. And so do you see in the future then DAOs replacing a lot of traditional organizations like maybe VC firms, accelerators, incubators, even other 
other types of any type of traditional organization? Yes. I mean, I think it's it's a natural evolution of, of how we organize economic activity. We, you know, we, so much of our lives are digital right now, but the organizations we work for and in and the way we create value are, are not. And that just seems kind of crazy to me. As the world gets more complex, we need more better tools or better ways of coordinating individuals to sort of live up to that complexity. And I think DAOs are at least one opportunity to do that. Um, right now, I'm very you know, bullish on any DAO that's dealing with digital property rights, digital content creation, in, living on-chain in some way. Uh, I think in the future, that will bridge off from on-chain into the off-chain world. Um, unclear what exactly that looks like. but you know, So very much anything that's digitally focused right now, I think a DAO is already today maybe the best way to organize it. And so with anything, there's two sides of the coin. There's, you know, wherever there's pros, there's cons. And so as bullish as I am about DAOs as well, like what do you see as being some of the negative sides to DAOs or like to rephrase, like maybe when would it be not the best idea for an organization to organize as a DAO versus as like a traditional company? I still think there's a ton of uncertainty in the legal front as to how to do these things right and well. There's potential liability that you open yourself up to, securities regulations you have to navigate. So there's a lot more complexity on the setup. And we just, it's just super early. There's a lot more complexity on the operations of things. Like you're, you're trying to go build a community and figure out ownership across the community is a big challenge. You know, I think there's a ton of functional operational things that are just not figured out that we spend a lot of time on. Like how do we onboard new users? How do we match and and reward the value they create? How do we design a structure that is fair moving forward? You know, over the long run, um, what's the best way to actually have governance? What should people govern? Um, So it's just like, you have to want to kind of be building on the front end of something to, to go do it you know, as a DAO today. I think that, you know, the, the friction there is going to come down significantly over the coming weeks and months, or yeah, maybe even weeks and months, months and years for sure, as new tools come out. You know, and, and I guess lastly, if you're building something that's trying to govern something in the real world that requires like IP law or property rights law or something like that, that it's probably going to be still a challenge for, for a little while. There's a pretty big gap between the off-chain and on-chain worlds, which I think is a huge benefit for those of us building on-chain because uh, there's sort of like a, yeah, a fire break, I guess, from the rest of the world. But ultimately, that's going to get bridged and the crossover there will be really exciting. And then as a follow-up to that, another question we had from Twitter is, what are some examples, if any, of Web3 communities that don't need to be or shouldn't be a DAO? A DAO, I, th- I think Cooper, Koopa Troopa, the, the goat of the internet, um, defined DAOs as like a, a community with a cap table, a shared cap table and a shared bank account. And so I think like if you were trying to steward or distribute resources or in any way, then it might make sense to have a DAO. Uh, if you're looking to have community ownership, it makes sense to have a DAO. If you are you know, coming together to talk about your favorite brand or artist or whatever, and the idea is just around connection, you know, having a governance process probably doesn't make sense. So I think it's like, what are you trying to achieve? And if are, is, is that going to be benefited from being able to bring resources and capital and, and invest in the future of it? Then it, and, and involve many people in the operation and decision makings that, that go on, it'll probably make sense to have a DAO. I think, you know, in, in a couple of years, we're not going to be talking about DAOs. Like we don't talk about corporations and LLCs and all this sort of stuff. You're just going to have like a whole new tool set to go build cool things with your friends on the internet. I think as that friction reduces, all of us will be, will have a whole host of building blocks that we can use to 
go build cool things, whether that's crowdfunding or selling NFTs or curating NFTs or curating media or, you know, setting up token gated access for events or content. Like there's just going to be many things that we're going to put together. And if you want to have some way of governing all that, then a DAO would make sense. Otherwise, we're probably just going to go build cool experiments time and time again. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. All right, cool. So if you could time travel and put yourself into the future, 10 years into the future, where do you see us being with social tokens and with DAOs and just like how we're interacting in our day-to-day lives on the internet? I feel like I live in the future already. So thinking 10 years future, yeah. We continue to see our, our, our economic lives move uh, on chain more. I mean, I think it's this trend of moving into the digital world. And I think fintech and the way that we're, most of us are interacting today, is just going to seem kind of like weird rails to build these future organizations on. And so the vast majority of, of new companies and organizations will be built on chain in some way, just makes cap tables and the financial world a whole lot easier and frictionless and the ability to com- to you know, uh, connect with all these different composable tools that are being built across DeFi and social and legal, et cetera. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the real question here is like, what's the evolution of work? What's the evolution of culture? And I think those things become pretty intertwined and, and that you and I will probably be working for and, and members of and involved in a number of different online organizations that we will earn income from for doing certain things, whether that's investing, allocating resources, staking through curation, creating content, you know, doing work for different organizations. Um, and, and so like we will, the, the sort of movement of the creator economy and a movement of sort of the growth of freelancers uh, and the, the growth of investment as uh, entertainment are probably all going to smash together. And I don't know how those things come together. I can imagine a world where there's thousands upon thousands of tokens and making sense of all that is going to be a challenge. Keeping up to date with all that is going to be a challenge. But I think we have a lot of smart people out there working on this stuff that are going to start to figure some of it out. So maybe it looks a lot more like playing games with friends in multiple different areas where you're able to work on the things that you're best at uh, and get paid well for doing it and, um, you know, hopefully have a bit more free time. But I feel like I don't have any free time in crypto right now. And that's not a complaint. It's just a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's going for a while. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean, in some ways, like a, a lot of what you said is already we're already seeing that start to you know, take shape. Like we're already seeing people who, you know, like are contributing to different DAOs and getting compensated for their work there while still having like a full-time job. Like, I think that's like already a thing that we're seeing. And so I could see, I mean, maybe in the future, maybe in 10 years, it's like, what is a full-time job sort of thing? Like, it's just like, you just contribute to DAOs, you know, or like contribute your skills where you can and you get compensated fairly for your skills. And then who knows, like maybe we only have to work like four hours a week. It's like the four hour work week, but like totally different model. <laughs> Crypto version. I like that. Move over, Tim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think like that, I mean, so much I think of like, if you think about people working in a space right now, there's a lot of speculation that goes on and it's not just like speculation with money, but it's speculation with their time and effort. And I think that's maybe one thing that's going to be hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around where traditionally we have steady salaries and and we kind of you know are working for a company and we're in this middle zone now where maybe there's a lot more sort of mixed mode of work but i think in the future you know you're going to be contributing to multiple different DAOs, but you're probably going to be compensated much closer to what vcs are compensated like where there one or two of those will actually be very very valuable and the others are probably just you know 
you know, uncertain value or social value, or just like you're in it because you think there's a chance that it'll be something good, but maybe it doesn't end up going anywhere. So I think a lot more speculation or investing type of uh, outcomes will spread to the majority of people. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think that's what we're seeing, seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, I like to wrap up every podcast episode with a segment I call Explain Your Tweet. This is where I go through your Twitter, pull out some interesting and cryptic tweets and give you a chance to explain them. It was very difficult with you because, well, difficult or easy, depending how you see it, because you have so many good tweets to pull out that, I mean, I feel like I could go on, could have recorded a whole podcast episode just like having you explain your tweets, but I'm just going to try to keep it to two or three for the purposes of time. So the first one I have, this is from July 8th, just yesterday. Uh, you said, when starting a DAO, worry less about building consensus and more about building momentum. Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, it was really talking about some of the early lessons I learned in getting C-Club up and running, um, where I thought, like, you know, really what we did was we sort of pooled the social capital of a lot of really smart you know, successful, connected people and um, brought them together. And then I would sort of raise my hand to somebody who was going to take responsibility for moving something forward. But I really had this idea that they would want to be involved in every decision, that they had their, their they were attached to this project so in a way that they also wanted to have a say in things. And the reality is most of those people were just really stoked to be a part of something and they really valued somebody taking responsibility and somebody moving something forward because in the state it was at, there really wasn't anything of like huge value to, to govern. And so I think for many of us that are in the DAO space, there's sort of this idea that it's about democratic participation and consensus building, but really focusing on that too early stops you from going and doing the things that are key and going from zero to one, which is building momentum, shipping projects, shipping code, whatever the core thing is. So momentum is what pulls people into the project and will actually want make them want to participate a lot more. Consensus too early will actually stop you from being able to build that momentum. Makes sense. All right, cool. And then this next tweet is from July 6th. As you can see, I have not gone too far back because you have so many good tweets like on daily. Uh, but this one, we didn't really talk about DeFi at all in this episode, but you said tokenized communities will be the gateway to mainstream DeFi adoption. What do you mean about that? So I, I use a line that uh, I'm pretty proud of, actually. Um, I think that the next 100 million users into DeFi or, or into crypto generally are going to come from Kanye and not not Compound. And I think what I'm trying to get at there is that, you know, influencers, artists, folks who've built up communities, what they've been able to do is build up trust and authority and their right to somebody's attention. And you know, right now, most of crypto is really focused on like the, the you know, the, the shiny, the flashy, the price goes up, the safe moons and the dogecoins and the Bitcoin and all that sort of stuff. And, and in many ways, like the more interesting things that I think so many of, of like our communities and probably your community as well is interested in is like requires a little bit more thought, requires going a little bit more deep in, down the rabbit hole. And so I think these communities will have the authority to, to be able to say to their audiences, wait, there's more pay attention to this thing. And um, I think that's the biggest hurdle to DeFi adoption right now is like, why would I want to go through this frictionful step to actually, you know, open up a TDP or, you know, borrow on Aave or stake on Aave and earn, even if I'm going to earn a lot more interest there. Um, so I think that that trust and authority is the key thing that's missing from the broader DeFi space. And that's what communities, creators and artists have in spades. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. I got, I have one more tweet for you. This one is also from July 6th. You said the problem with bounties for DAOs, bounties fall short because well-defined actions are rarely most valuable. Instead, DAOs need to scale their ability to reward and empower those who take responsibility over outcomes that are meaningful to the DAO. I'd love to hear your explanation because I feel like I don't fully agree with that, but I love to hear what you're thinking. Cool. Let's get into it. You know, one, one of the key challenges in running a DAO is there are lots of people who want to get involved and being able to put them to work in a way that creates value for your DAO is, can be a challenging thing. And um, right now we sort of have, I think like a, a, a very popular way of creating that value is in saying, well, here come do bounties for us, right? So we want to give tokens away to people who create value, come do bounties for us. But the challenge is that you have to like really clearly define what is value. You're essentially creating a contract. Uh, I think they call this the principal agent problem but I might be getting that wrong. Don't quote me on that. But the idea is like for some of like the more complicated things, like how do you go launch a podcast or how do you go build about a marketing plan or how do you move forward an event? There isn't a really clear outcome that is easily defined and that's easy to put a price on. And so what you end up with is a lot of bounties that are like, you know, write a blog post, introduce yourself, retweet my tweet. I just don't think that rewarding people for very, very low end value creation actions is ultimately the right way to go or, or, or the right way to create value in a communities. I'm not saying that they're not useful or helpful. I think there's a good argument to be made about the importance of creating a way for people to get ownership in a DAO um, without there being a lot of friction. I think bounties really thrive there. I think, you know, what the rabbit hole team is building as far as trying to build reputation through uh, rewarding people with bounties for doing things that kind of showcase whether they're potentially a more valuable member of the community. I think that's super valuable. But I just, I just think that there's so much more work for us to do in figuring out how to put, like my number one frustration is the number of extremely smart, talented people that I want to have work on C Club. And I just don't know where to put them. Like, I don't know how to put them to work right now. And that's a challenge we're very, very actively trying to solve. Um, but it's definitely not bounties that solve that for us. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I totally agree that like a bounty to like retweet this is not like doesn't do anything. Like I don't see the purpose in that, but I I think that bounties can be a good way to onboard those like really smart people you're talking about that you know like you want to bring into the space um onto web3 cuz I think like there are tons of really smart and talented people in the web2 world who just has haven't been exposed to web3 yet and I think like dropping them into a discord channel and saying hey, like contribute to this DAO however you can, can be really intimidating. And also they just like don't even know where to start. And so I think using bounties as a way to like guide these people into showing them the different ways that they can contribute with their skills and talents, I think is a useful way of um, of using bounties. Sure. And my, my pushback is I don't think that's what we're doing right now. Like I don't think we're guiding people to a useful way. And I think exactly what I'm trying to get at is how do we have better ways of actually guiding people to provide their useful talents to create meaningful impact. Uh, this came out of like uh, our operations. Like uh, we had our, our first two core contributors be hired at C club last week. And both of them came on um, through running an event for us that we put on earlier in the year that was widely, wildly successful for us. Um, and the feedback I got from them working on it was how, powerful it was that they felt that they actually moved the needle forward in a meaningful way for the DAO. And so that sense of meaningful um, value creation, I think, is what people want. And so, if, you know, if I wanted to get you involved in C-Club, 
you know, finding a way to match your talents with the value that we could create that you will feel really stoked on what you've created for us and that you've earned the tokens and that you have this level of like alignment and commitment because you've been able to be truly useful, I think is the thing we need to get at. And I think bounties are probably the early stage of that, but it's still incomplete. But I loved how many feathers that, that tweet ruffled. That was great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jess. Oh, actually, one more thing. Um, so your Twitter handle is that tall guy. So I have to ask, how tall are you? It's a big secret on the internet. Nobody knows. No, I'm, I'm uh, six, seven, just over two meters for our European friends. Uh, it's, I, I was on Twitter really, like really early. And the joke was, I was like, and there were tweet ups. Do you, do you ever remember tweet ups? No. Have you heard of these? Yeah, right. Okay. See, that's how old I've been on Twitter. <laughs> and so there were these tweet ups where you go meet other Twitter users because this was super new. And uh, I just thought it'd be good branding to be like, oh, who, who are you? Oh, you're that tall guy. Because I usually was the tallest guy in the room. Uh, and now I just feel like it's I know, just such a funny name that I could never get rid of. And I'm just going to keep leaning into no, it. I, like, so I mean, you're I six. I, I think you qualify. You're six, seven. You definitely so. qualify yeah. to have that handle. There's a few people out there taller than you because that's that's a. Uh, that's very tall. My father-in-law is six, eight. And I literally feel like I have to yell at him sometimes when I'm talking to him, like face to face in person. And I'm like pretty loud to begin with. And so like me feeling like I'm yelling is like very loud, but there's just so much distance between us. You know, I'm five, two. So if we hung out in person, you know, I'd probably be yelling at you. You'd have to yell. But we'd have to stand, stand far enough apart. So we didn't, your neck didn't hurt and you could, we could look (laughs) each other in the eyes. Good. Yeah. That, that, that's a very good point. Very well You'd thought out. You still have out. to yell, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, before you go, Jess, just tell people where they can find... Is Twitter the best place to find you or anywhere else that people can find you? Um, and then also tell people, you know, like if anybody's listening and they're thinking about launching a social token and they want to get involved with Seed Club, what, like, how do they go about getting involved? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at that tall guy. Seed Club is on Twitter at Seed Club HQ. Um, our sort of core place for our community is our Discord. We host you know, weekly deep dive chats there. We were on with Cooper this morning, had a really great conversation with Louie and, and Pre last week and have a whole bunch more planned. If you're interested in getting into the space, joining our Discord is the best way to go. We have provide a lot of networking opportunities, ways of sharing. You know, we're going to be... Uh, really believe in like learning through doing. And so we create a bunch of experiences there where you can get your hands dirty in this DAO web three world without having to like start your own thing. So I think that's really exciting. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in launching a social token, yeah, we'll be rolling out our third accelerator program, um, you know, later this month, as far as let's start starting to talk about it. Um, and so that's a good place to get involved, but our discord, shoot me a DM. You know, our goal, I think is really to, to help bring more talent and tools and excitement um, to this sort of building of this new world that we're, you know, really, really stoked on. So anyway, we can be helpful. We'll do our best to be so. Very cool. Awesome. We'll include that in the show notes too. make it easier for people to click through. Thanks again, Jess, for being here. Thank you listeners for tuning in and we'll be back again soon with another episode of the unstoppable podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the unstoppable podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.